Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Get Over It, the Consciousness Transforming Podcast for Exceptional 21st Century Living. We have a very exciting show today. We're speaking with Jerry M. Cantor and his book is The Emotional Roots of Chronic Illness, Homeopath for Existential Stress. And um, he's taken a very interesting twist, folks, on chronic illness and stress that I think you're going to find fascinating. I know that I did and it opened my eyes on many levels. And he even talks about AI, which he'll get into a little bit further. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you let go of the BS that's been holding you back. But you guys know I always ask, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me from my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I'm the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network of 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. Now, my clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapist. So whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. 
To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, that's MoniqueChapman.com, and I invite you to like me and follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. My guest today, Jerry M. Cantor, um, is a faculty member of the Ontario College of Homeopathic Medicine and owner of Vital Force Healthcare, LLC, a Boston area homeopathy and acupuncture uh, practice. The first acupuncture to receive an academic appointment at Harvard's Medical School's Department of Anesthesiology. Cantor is the author of six books, including the one we're talking about today, which is The Emotional Roots of Chronic Illness. Welcome, Jerry. Hey, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, it's great to have you. And folks, you can check him out at his website, and that's vitalforcehealthcare.com. Again, vitalforcehealthcare.com. Well, Jerry, thank you for um, agreeing to come on the show. And let's just jump right into it. What is existentialism? Well, existentialism is a philosophy. It came out of World War II, um, at the end of World War II, and when all the, the horrors of that were exposed. Um, there had to be some kind of a posture created to deal with the unimaginable horrors that took place. It's kind of a rebellion against any kind of traditional, you know, believing. It's situational ethics, I suppose that's one thing. Um, nowadays, we're using that word all the time, saying, well, climate change is an existential stress, uh, existential mm -hmm. problem, meaning basically we're using it to say, oh, my God, we're all going to die. <laughs> but that's not what... <laughs> That's, that's not what the, uh, the, the, the meaning of it is. There's a branch mm -hmm. of existentialism that goes into psychology. It's really basically a search for meaning. It's a search for that's meaning. Why, why are we alive? What's going on here? What's the point of everything? And that has an expression in literature and the works of, uh, of Sartre and um, uh, uh, Beckett, his plays, for example, Waiting for Godot. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it basically is, uh, in psychology, it's, it's a way of helping people through almost unimaginable problems by trying to find personal meaning. Uh, in my work, I, I have, what I've done is I've come, I've, I've, I'm kind of a medical philosopher myself, and I, in my work, I have created a synthesis between traditional Chinese medicine, which is acupuncture and herbs, homeopathy, and conventional medicine. So I made, I've created a system where they're all combined very succinctly. And in doing that, I've developed five existential questions that uh -huh. connect deeply with the, the theories of Chinese medicine and homeopathy, specifically what's called miasmatic theory and, um, and existentialism. Um, that's the short answer to it. Um, that word, as I say, it's just come into currency, but people, people basically think, oh my God, we're going to die is what it means. But it really means, yeah, well, everyone's going to die anyway, but what's the meaning of my life? Um, what should mm -hmm. I be, what should I be doing with my life? And these questions mm -hmm. really burden me. And in in my book, I can show how the inability to resolve the tension within these five core existential questions is the is the groundwork for chronic illness. Okay, that's the bad news. But the good news is that there are homeopathic remedies specifically connected to those individual dilemmas um, mm -hmm. that can help us not only become attain better health, but also gain perspective and uh, on, on the life situation. So okay. that's the answer to that. <laughs> oh, well, well, thank you. That's a pretty um, in-depth answer. So share with us the five core existential questions. You want to hear the five existential questions? Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Um, and these, each one of these ties into what in Chinese medicine is considered one of the five elements. It ties into, in homeopathy, one of the five classical miasms. Also ties into each of the five senses. So my analysis, I've done a, created an analysis called the sense dimensional analysis, which talks about the senses in kind of this existential and philosophical way. Okay, the first one is, am I in synchrony with nature and with others? And that pertains mm -hmm. um, in biology to the circulatory system, basically in the heart. The second one is my existence on earth sustainable. And that ties into the metabolic system. Uh -huh. uh, the third one is, am I oriented in time and space? And that relates to our sense of identity. Who am I? Um, am I, am I centered as, as my breathing good? Um, am I, am I, uh, for example, um, tethered to the past in terms of being stuck in a grief. Uh -huh. The fourth one is probably the heaviest one. Can the boundary between life and death be abided? So everybody, uh -huh. when people can think about existentialism, they think, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of death? And in homeopathy, there are remedies that can address situations whereby you're in flight from death. And so, for example, you would lose yourself in materialism and in sex and in glamour because you're actually terrified of death. You're just sidestepping all that. And on the other side of that, of, of that line, okay, you accept death, but now your concern is your legacy. What's going to come after that? And um, you know, what will I leave from my life? And mm -hmm. uh, if you're overly concerned with that, on that side of the, uh, the border, that also presumes uh, um, can, can contribute to, to a susceptibility to illness. Um, and the, the fifth one, is uh, was the insurrection of my birth fruitful? So looking, taking the long view, you know, we don't just want to sit on, uh, life is not just about sipping pina coladas on the beach. At the end of our life, you want to look back and say, gee, did I make any difference in this world? And uh -huh. so from this point of view, you know, the world was going along perfectly fine until you came along. And now <laughs> your, your birth is a, an insurrection against the status quo. Have you made a difference in this world? And I like to point out that the founder of homeopathy Samuel Hahnemann, who was a tremendous genius and who, who himself mounted a huge insurrection against the medical status quo, has this uh, statue in Washington, D.C. I think he's the only foreigner to have this wonderful memorial statue there. And on it, it says in Latin, I didn't live in vain. So this question was very important to him. So all those five questions, um, they have subcategories that, that sub, 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 there are yeah, subcategories of those five questions are attached mm -hmm. to uh, many, you know, all the homeopathic remedies that I analyze. And so those are the themes of those remedies, and they pertain to the conditions that those remedies treat. Okay. Now, in your book, you talk about different um, conditions that people have. So um, one, I don't remember exactly the remedy for it, but it was like neuropathy and... Um, uh, fibromyalgia and stuff like that. So how does, where does that come from? How does one bring that into their psyche, into their world? Okay, I've got to say, first of all, in homeopathy, it's not diagnosis driven. So you can have okay. a diagnosis like um, uh, fibromyalgia or a myopathy or something. That's a, just a starting point. I mean, there are going to be dozens and dozens of remedies for each of those conditions. And I put the word condition in quotation marks. To see uh -huh. a homeopath, we take your, your, your uh, I, I do need to educate your audience, I think. It's, it's a very extensive, a, a very detailed process whereby we get to know you 
up and down, left to right, just right from the beginning of your life, everything that's going on about you. By the time uh-huh. you walk out of the office of someone like me, you'd say, oh my God, that guy knows me better than anybody I've ever known. <laughs> and okay. so our job is to deconstruct what your symptoms are. The symptoms matter very much, how you use language, how you describe them. Um, and then trying to go very deeply into the situation until I d- identify kind of the existential issue that, it, that maybe underlies the whole thing. It's not going to be at the conscious level. It'll be subconscious. Uh-huh. Um, but to answer your question, uh, let's see, a fibromyalgia remedy. Um, I'm going to pick the remedy alumina, which is made from aluminum. So let's say people who need that, someone might come into my office who has numbness and um, pain, pain in the hands and feet. Um, but in addition to that, they probably would have um, constipation and uh-huh. um, loss, loss of sensation. So in the course of that, I mean, people are not machines. I can't just, uh, you know, off the shelf, pick a remedy based right. on that. But right. What will happen is if a person needs Illumina, they will have an issue with, I would call the compromise of the will. It would turn out that someone like this um, has been too many times put into situations where he or she has been forced to make a decision she didn't want to make, didn't like her choices, uh, just was forced to do something over and over again that she didn't want to do. And a keynote for that would be not wanting to be rushed. Now, I don't think anybody mm-hmm. likes to be rushed, but for someone right. who needs the Remini Illumina, um, I say, what's it like for you to be rushed? They say, I can't stand that. I absolutely, it's my, my hot top, number one, hot, number one hot button. I cannot stand to be rushed because that mm-hmm. question gets to the fact that they, they've been put in situations where they, they're forced to make some decision on the spur of the moment very quickly, and they're just not ready. And I can deconstruct their, their constipation, too, in those terms. They have a stool that doesn't want to come out. It does not want to be mm, rushed. It's not ready. Okay. So, okay. You know, we also say that we're human beings, right? But the lesson of this particular remedy is we're actually more human doings. What we are has a lot to do with what we do, and that's our identity. So people who need that remedy, they, have, they get fuzzy-headed as well. They have problems with reference. And they may be in the, in the incipient stages of Alzheimer's disease because of this loss of reference. So the loss of reference pertains to one of my existential questions, where am I in time and space? They have lost their reference. They don't know where they are. So I've tied a lot of things together with that particular remedy. Person may have come in with just a phys- what they think is a physical problem. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm losing sensation in my hands and feet. Um, I, my energy is low. But in the course of taking my, my, my doing, going through my intake, maybe this one would come up. And in addition to treating that, you know, the remedy would help that person to find this sense of identity and overcome the problem that's, uh, that's really deeply ingrained, that they've been forced too many times to do something mm-hmm. that they don't want to do. Okay, so um, as you are working with someone and you're putting them through this process that you go through, do you ever find someone saying like no and just rebelling because they can't get to or understand where you're truly coming from to help them? Oh, people are, uh, as I said, we're working, I'm working at the level of the subconscious. Yeah, many times they can't tell me what the problem is. And I, my job, quite frankly, is to figure out, you know, pay more attention to what they're not saying than what they're saying. That's information in itself. In addition to which, this, the symptoms talk. My job is to deconstruct the symptoms so that I understand what the body is saying. So I have this adage that acute illness detoxifies us. You know, believe it or not, I mean, it's no fun to be acutely ill, but mm-hmm. the episode has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it means that our vital force or our immune system has identified a pathogen or an emotional insult 
mobilized against it and fought it off. Then we back to baseline or maybe a little bit better. Chronic mm-hmm. illness, though, is, 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 not, is not good. I mean, that means you've got good days and bad days, but the problem is always there. And your body through the psyche is, is telling the outside world and you yourself at some level what this problem is. And so those symptoms are a complaint coming from a deep in the psyche. And my job is to identify them. As I say, if someone comes and says, I've got constipation, going back to the Illumina clients, mm-hmm. um, only in the case of someone like that, where I've got all this other information, can I deconstruct that symptom and connect it, you know, with it not wanting to be rushed. That's what that symptom is saying. Don't rush me. <laughs> the stool doesn't mm-hmm. want to come out, you know, and also the hands and feet not having sensation. All right. So how do we manifest our will in the world with our hands, right? We actually change right. the world. We, if, if your mm-hmm. hands are not, are, are, are not manifesting sensation, this can be deconstructed to, and explained. You know, I'm not able to manifest my will in the world. So even though the person's not, maybe not be telling that, that would be a clue for me that I can then pursue in my questions. And I can, I'll mm-hmm. start finding, I'll, I'll, I'll go down that road. I'll say, have you ever been, uh, uh, ever had a problem, any, ever, ever had, ever been forced to make a decision you don't want to make? Have you ever been put in a situation where you don't like your choices? And the person might pause and say, story of my life. You know, this mm. has happened to me over and over again. And then mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll consider this particular remedy. But depending on how the interview goes, there are many, many other possibilities. But yeah, people come in routinely, especially teenagers. They can't tell you a darn thing about themselves. They just don't have you know, very much. They're not particularly introspective, many of them. I wouldn't yeah. say all. But uh, often people just say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then I've got I've to you know, figure out how to, how to get the this, this secret information. I call homeopathy spiritual forensics. So I'm, 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 what I'm trying to find out is the spiritual reason behind under, underlying someone's chronic illness and their complaint. And that's how it works. Okay, interesting. I really didn't understand homeopathy from that perspective. So thank you very much for sharing that. Now, in the book, you talk about a concept and, and you have the inborn toolkit of emotions. Talk to us about that, because inborn gives me the feeling that it's truly within us. It came in when we came in. So talk to us about that. Oh, yeah, that's that's a that's a fun topic. This comes directly from Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine uh, has a very simple kind of psychology. There are five core emotions and uh, yeah, joy, grief, worry, um, terror and anger. Is that mm-hmm. five? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's, five. that's that's kind of it. Um, well, I, I believe that the, these core emotions are our are in, are inborn toolkit in the sense that every tool is something we, you know, you should use only when you need it and then put it away when you're done. And the tool should solve a problem. And the emotions should do exactly the same thing. So it's a mistake if someone says, uh, I never want to be anxious or I, or I, you know, I, sh- I don't want to be angry or from, it's not a mistake. It would be like a carpenter who says, I'm only going to use my hammer today. Uh, that, I hope everything works out or I, I can't stand my, my screwdriver. I'm just not going to use it. So it works like this. Um, I think the analogy is, is, is very good. Um, we have the sketch pad of happiness, okay? That means mm-hmm. that um, to be happy means we have to have goals. We want to have, we have an idea about, you know, what we're going to write down on our sketch pad, what we want to do. And that makes mm-hmm. us happy. Um, now, if all you do is just think about what you want to do, you're, you know, and, and never put anything to operation, you're overusing your sketch pad. That's the only one you're using. That's not good. Once you figure out what you should do, you should put it, put it away. Now, if you, if you feel your life is pointless and you have nothing you want to do, you're depressed, 
well, maybe then your sketch pad is all crumpled up and grimy in your pocketbook or your, or your, or your, or your, uh, your, yeah, or your, your, your pocket. Mm-hmm. And, and there are remedies, again, for both sides of that, that issue. And I, I could, if I had time, I would go into those remedies. The screwdriver of, of anxiety, the screwdriver of anxiety. Hmm? Some time. Go into the remedies. It's okay. We have time? Okay. Well, if, if you yeah. need, like their children, for example, who are, feel that they're the center. Well, this is actually a normal state of affairs. Children are normally optimistic and curious about things and want to touch things. Um, they're all over the place. Um, if you have an adult like that, who um, is kind of a mad scientist type, but doesn't, you know, has all these ideas, but can't put them into action. Um, that person is also, if they need the remedy sulfur, likely to be, have all kinds of skin problems, you know, look, look like a mess, have bad hygiene. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they're, they need that remedy and be aggravated by heat. They probably need the remedy sulfur and that would bring them into, into balance. Um, they just, uh, they're, they're just they're, their mind is what matters, but they haven't consolidated their mind. They're overusing their sketch pad of happiness. If they need a remedy like sepia and they feel depressed, and it's, it's hopeless, or hope, is, hope has become toxic to them. Um, they, uh, it's often which is a, a woman who's been had too much resentment or disappointment, and she just doesn't want to, you know, feels flattened out. It's mm-hmm. like in that case, like her sketch pad of happiness is all crumbled up and grimy you know, on, the, on the bottom of her purse. Interesting. Do I do other ones? Should I do other ones? Yeah, do a couple more, please. Okay, I'll do the screwdriver of anxiety. So we, we need to be anxious about things. If you're in the forest and you're starving, for example, and you see a mushroom there, your anxiety will prevent you from eating the whole mushroom. Maybe you take the tiniest nibble of it, and even if it's toxic, it may not kill you then. Um, mm-hmm. Anxiety is useful. You know, Performers use their anxiety to create a high level of performance. Um, if you, uh, if you, but you're, if you constantly have your screwdriver out and everything makes you anxious, you're overusing it. Um, if you're completely a reckless kind of person and you just never get anxious about anything, that's not good either. And there are remedies on both sides of that, of that, of that, of that. Um, the mm-hmm. remedy arsenicum is for people who are, you know, incredibly anxious, but it fuels a, a high level of, you know, a perfectionism in them. And they just worry constantly about their, their loved ones. Um, but, um, it's debilitating and, and, they they need a remedy like arsenicum so that they they they're not incapacitated by their anxiety. If they're, they're completely reckless and they have a very very powerful sense of adventuresomeness, but they just burn the candle at both ends, they take chances. Then they might need another remedy like metarinum. Um that would again bring them into balance. So that's the mm-hmm. screw, screwdriver of, of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what we have next. The um, I want to talk about the hacksaw of, of, of sadness, the hacksaw of grief. Okay. Um, if we've lost someone or we had a, a law, you know, someone's died important to us. Um, at some point, we have to cut ourselves off from that loss and move on. Um, if, you, if you can't do that and you keep sawing away at it, um, maybe you need a remedy like pulsatilla where you're crying all the time. Um, if, you, if you just don't cry and there's some people who are just so numbed or, or feel like the loss is so great that they cannot cry, then they might need a remedy like natural muriaticum. They're, they're not using their hacksaw at all. So mm-hmm. there's the hack, that's the hacksaw of grief. Um, what have I left out? Oh, the, the plot of fear, okay? And language is very useful, Monique, right? We say we'll get become gripped by fear. So right. the, pliers, the pliers is the natural tool for that. You should be gripped by fear just so that you know, just long enough to know whether you should run or fight, right? And then you mm-hmm. put your pliers away. 
um, and there are remedies for people who are absolutely terrified. Everything terrifies them. They're overusing the appliers of fear. Uh, maybe a remedy like Veratrum album. And then there's a remedy of, uh, again, people who are really fearless. Um, and I would have to think that Metarhinum would come up for that one again also, but there are other, other remedies that mm -hmm. are for, for people who are really kind of a bit reckless. Um, okay, but it's really not cookie cutter though, right? I mean, you oh, assess God, no, each person no, is, and maybe yeah. combine a combination of the different. Yeah, and this is a very simple model compared. This is like my introductory model. As I say, mm -hmm. custom Chinese medicine and the, the five inborn tools. The rest of the book is about the bigger, you know, a much bigger, more, much more complex picture based on the existential implications of, of chronic illness. I'll do the last one though. This is the most, you know, kind of way the most obvious is the hammer of anger, right? We would absolutely mm. identify ha a hammer with anger. Um, so the nail sticking out, you take your hammer and you smash it down, and then you put your hammer away, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If you don't use it, you don't use it. The hammer is really particularly interesting to me because it has this other end, right? The claw. Now, there, there's a remedy called Staposagria, which is for, for people. Again, it's often women because they've been brought up to, to be seen and not heard. They're often told to be nice. If they raise their voice or too obstreperous, they're called bitches. So mm -hmm. and if, if, if that kind of person, when I ask this question, if you, after you blow your top and get angry, do you feel better or worse? She says, no, I feel much worse. I feel guilty. It's terrible. I shouldn't have done that. She's using the wrong end of the hammer. She's clawing away at herself. And then her form of anger is what I would call the dysfunctional cousin of, of anger, which is vexation. To be vexed, you know, like shake. Ah, I can't, uh, you know, I, this is mm -hmm. awful. Um, it does not solve a problem. All it does is hurts yourself because you're suppressing your natural anger. Um, you should have a natural burst of anger to solve a problem or convert your anger into something creative. So that um, you can you can you can make make some hay out of that. Um, so anyway, there are people who are like unfortunately Vietnam War you know war veterans who come home who are PTSD who have hair triggered hair trigger tempers. Um, mm -hmm. They're overusing the hammer, right? So they're mad if you do something bad to them, but they're mad any if you just look at them funny. So they're using overusing the hammer of anger. Um, so there are remedies, very simple remedies on both sides of that, and that illust illustrates something you know rather basic um mm -hmm. but i find that's a, a useful you know very useful a uh, little model okay well how has or has um the covid situation hurt or helped or how has it adjusted us i don't even want to say change just adjusted us wow that's a hard question um i will say as opposed to, okay, well, unfortunately, it's created an incredible climate of fear. It's done some terrible things to us, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's handicapped an entire generation of children who've lost two years of socialization. Um, and basically, it's, 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 it's in, it handicapped so many people with, out of fear. Um, I mean, I, I believe in the body. The body is our basic, our basic model body has gotten us through ice ages and, you know, centuries of, of difficulty. Without, without medication in particular, I mean, we, of course, there are great advances that medicine has brought, brought about, but um, basically we, have, we are able to adjust to conditions the way a computer can be updated. So there are, there are conditions that are, that are affecting us that are probably responsible for, for COVID, didn't come out of nowhere, having to do mm -hmm. with uh, uh, um, pollution, um, lower reduced oxygen levels uh, in, in, in the winter seasons, uh, the uh, radiation that's constantly around us, and those those stresses 
will harm the most vulnerable of us. Absolutely. But, but creating a total climate of fear around it and thinking, well, what this, you know, let's, what's, what's, how are we going to deal with this next? You know, that, that's, that's been a real problem. So we're much more vigilant. And um, unfortunately, I don't think we've learned the really important lessons of, about this. Like, where did this thing come from? It's not out of the blue. Um, we are definitely introduced. We have many more environmental toxins that we're, we're exposed to. There are medications which are causing us problems, making the more the old the the weaker of us even more vulnerable than normal normally. But we've mm -hmm. also lost confidence in the ability of the body to adjust to to do these up, updates. And unfortunately, the thing that we absolutely need the most that can help us with this most might be homeopathy. And that, as you possibly know, has been the subject of an intense attack by the pharmaceutical industry for 150 years. Um, mm -hmm. So that's unfortunate. And that's something I'm trying to uh, my best to um, repudiate. Okay. I want to switch gears for a moment. When you, before we got on the air, we were talking and you were saying something um, regarding AI in the newsletter you put out. Why don't you talk to us about that? Because I'll <laughs> include it in the show notes. I think it was quite fascinating. I can't believe we got to that so quickly. Um, well, I, I had this idea that um, the big pharma could align itself with the, uh, the artificial intelligence um, field mm -hmm. to deal with the, uh, well, what's going, what's happening. And I, it's, it sounds like it's, far, it's science fiction, but it absolutely is happening. You know, the movies have long prophesized that robots would come and they would take over the planet. And uh, this, this is kind of an existential threat. Um, it's happening perhaps faster than we think. Um, the other day, uh, a humanoid was made CEO of a, of a, of a major company. Her, her name is uh, Micah. Um, in 2017, a humanoid, uh, Sophia, got um, citizenship in Saudi Arabia. So convincing, these, 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 these humanoids. And it's not just that we want something efficient and fast. We want them to be lovable, too. Um, mm -hmm. And all the movies, you know, the movie Her, where the Joaquin Phoenix character falls in love with the voice of this this uh, assistant, um, audio, this uh, AI assistant. Mm -hmm. um, um, creation of the humanoids, which was made in eight, 1962, uh, predicted all of this. I'm even thinking about Pinocchio, um, that, that particular myth. Pinocchio, the, the puppet that comes to life, had to mm -hmm. be fitted with an algorithm. I mean, I, which is, I can't lie. So this is, I'm being fanciful here, but the Geppetto, the woodcarver, had to put, kind of mm -hmm. do this, this algorithm in Pinocchio, which enables him to come to life. Anyway, the point is that we want them to be lovable, right? We want them to be lovable and relatable. So what's going to have to happen in my imagination is that um, they're going to be, have to be programmed to have relatable features, which will also include foibles and flaws and tempers and, and, uh, and on top of which they're going to actually be engaged with uh, very, very stressful things. So my, in my fantasy, I had them needing medicine. And so I created this, uh, this company um, called Automentis Pharmaceuticals, which mm -hmm. uh, is responsible for, uh, is, is, is aligned itself with, uh, with one of the major um, AI firms and also a number of the big pharma companies. And uh, it's, it's got a five, $200 billion market cap. <laughs> wow. <Okay>. And uh, <laughs> I, have, I have created the, the characters, the executives that I interview who tell, tell me about what their plan for this is and how they rationalize it. And, you know, in satire, what you can do is take a completely ridiculous idea and you present it as, as, as convincingly as you possibly can. 
And uh, frankly, I sent it out and, and uh, quite a few people are taken in. They think this has actually happened, um, that uh, the pharmaceutical industry is, is going to be creating medications to treat uh, mentally ill um, robots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, 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 it came. I, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's maybe more prophetic than I think because, um, well, I'll leave that up to anybody reading it. Um, yeah. Well, I like the fact that you mentioned uh, September thirty first, and nobody. Yes, that's, that was my giveaway. That. There is no such thing as September thirty first. <laughs> so the announcement came out. I was hoping I'd, I'd give it away, but you know, when you write satire, my wife says, "Oh, you should maybe put a disclaimer in there or put an emoji in there." No, then you review the. You deprive people of the the pleasure of figuring it out for themselves. And I I just went to great lengths to make it as absolutely believable as I can. And the discussion Mm -hmm. is is very believable. Um, I introduced the idea, I say to the executives at one point, you know, well, how about electroshock therapy? That that never worked out very well with human beings, but for for robots with all the circuitry, maybe that would be a better better deal. And Mm -hmm. the the, um, executive says to me, well, we found that when we give electroshock therapy to robots, they develop a terrible metallic taste in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think that's very funny, right? But, uh, and then they say, but on, uh, and I came up with something called endotol suicide tablets. Because they're suffering so much, maybe why not give them something to get them out of their misery? And the executives uh-huh. say, well, you know, give us some credit. Our, our pharmaceuticals will be so, so effective that we, don't, we think the need for something like that will be absolutely ne- negligible. Next question. well that's very interesting i can't wait to post it for everybody to see now you mentioned this word earlier miasmas what are they and how are they related to what we're talking about oh my god yeah okay getting getting out of the fanciful into the real so there are five diseases that homeopaths believe rampage through the population and left the traces on the descendants um so those are called miasms it's an old word that comes from the odor of the gutter or something like that. So the mm-hmm. miasmatic remedy. So those five diseases are something called Sora, which might be chlamydia, actually. Um, it means the itch, the primal, the primal itch. That's the most mm-hmm. obscure one, I suppose. But that's when all the other miasms came from. The other ones are tuberculosis, um, cancer, and then two, two um, sexually transmitted diseases, additional ones, uh, gonorrhea and syphilis. Mm-hmm. So everybody has someone in their background who's had one of those things. And so the, the descendants inherit um, some of the features of that. It's not the same as having the disease, but they have certain features attached to those diseases. And they're also positive as well as negative. So it's almost like an astrological picture. Um, and uh, each of those my, miasmatic pictures has a, a no-sode attached to it. So a remedy made from the product of that disease that comes in handy as a remedy. And there's also, you know, many, many other um, remedies that would come under that umbrella. And I, as I say, those five miasms, I relate to the five existential questions that I've created. Okay. Now, when we go to your website. Yeah, best one would be go to, in terms of my writing, would be rightwhalepress.com. Vital force what is it again? Like, you, know, you know, the right whale, R-I-G-H-T-W-H-A-L-E. Uh-huh. The right whale. So I have a my publishing website is rightwhalepress.com. People can okay. also find me by looking for my for uh, this book at the at the um, Simon and Schuster website. I would just say Google um, the emotional roots of chronic illness, Jerry Cantor, Simon and Schuster. You would see it come up. Those books are sold everywhere. My earlier book before this one, I'd like to give it a mention, is called Sane oh, Asylums. 
Uh-huh. Sales Islam's the success of homeopathy before psychiatry lost its mind. And that's uh, a window into a, a completely um, uh, overshadowed part of American medical history, which was the predominance of homeopathic mental hospitals in the United States um, from this, you know, before the Civil War into the early 1900s. They were utopian facilities. They were absolutely wonderful. Um, and just a very inconvenient truth to the um, uh, pharmaceutical community that they actually existed, especially in the mental health world. So our not knowing about that has really um, reduced our choices for mental health care. Homeopathy is fantastic for treating mental health problems. And uh-huh. these spectacular um, utopian self-sufficient um, homeopathic asylums uh, were very, very popular and uh, people should know about them. So I would say people should you know, would advise to, would be advised to look in my book, Sane Asylums, again, at the Simon and Schuster uh, website. Google my name, okay. Sinus, Sane, Sane Asylums, uh, Jerry mm-hmm. Cantor, and uh, they'd find it there. Okay, well, he has a total of six books, um, folks. So if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, um, please do take a look at the other books because he provides a wealth of information. Um, Jerry, our time is almost up. Could you give us a pearl of wisdom to leave with the audience today, please? Oh, my. Pearl of wisdom. I go back to one. I'll just acute illness detoxifies chronic illness informs. Let's try not to live our lives based on fear. Um, There is a kind of medicine. It's homeopathy, which not only can help you become healthy and uh, prevent you from becoming illness, but what's more important, brings you a sense of perspective and awareness so that... uh, you know what's going on in your life. You become aware of the existential situation that you're in. You know, we, as you put it yourself, Monique, we are just spirits inhabiting a body. Um, mm-hmm. This is one way of of, of uh, exploring that that idea really in depth. Getting familiar with the homeopathic tool that allows us to make that a really meaningful exploration. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know the audience appreciates it, as do I. Um, I really appreciate you being here with me today and the information that you share, Jerry. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. You're an excellent interviewer. I can't believe I got all that information out in this short <laughs> amount of time. And uh, I, I uh, wish you all the best. And I hope people continue to uh, profit by what you teach. Well, thank you. And for everyone, please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of discovering the emotional roots of your chronic illness. Abundant blessings, light, and love to all. Agape.